welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Monday night. Monday night's always a good night. It's the best night of the week because you've got me, Mr. Mark of the Bearded Truth. Coming through your speakers, coming through your uh, whatever platform you like. And of course, if, you, if you're tuning in uh, after the fact, you're, you're tuning in in the podcast form. I'm, it's whatever day of the week you want it to be. And, and so nonetheless, I appreciate you for, uh, for wanting to jump out there and, and listen in to, to me, myself, and I. Uh, that is Mr. America, the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon. Um, if this is your first time here, I'm your neighborhood-friendly libertarian talking to you about politics and social issues from around the world to the country, to the nation, or to the state, and then also down to the local level sometimes we'll get there. Um, so lots of good topics to, to get through. I've been out for quite a long time. We did have uh, a little little shaking of the nerves, if you will, last Monday. Um, but I think I think today, this show, is going to be the one that we get back into this and we really do um, make it a good time. I'm gonna I'm gonna adjust that around a little bit. How does that look? That look a little bit better. Yeah, I think I like that a little more. So we're so. You know, we're still jostling things around. We're still moving things about, and we're going to make this so much better. I'm hoping that everything is going to start functioning for me. And, of course, uh, in the typical Muddy Waters fashion, not everything is. Um, I am seeing that my chats are showing up, but I can't see any of your guys' chats. So feel free to drop something in any of the messages so I can see if uh, if, if it is popping up. Uh, welcome in, Doug Crawl. So... <clears throat> I got two big topics that we're going to really dive into, and one topic that uh, I, I thought was quite comical. Um, Facebook pushed out a an update the other day. Um, more specifically, I believe it was yeah, I believe it was was uh, Thursday evening. Yes, Thursday evening uh, they had a software update at Facebook, which accidentally allowed anyone to view exactly who is posting under the accounts of public figures, businesses, and other entities, according to wired um so if you guys were were messing around on muddy waters uh freedom page here on facebook um you may have actually ran across and figured out which one of us is 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 uh making these posts and you can you can certainly make the assertion that uh that page makes a hard right when uh when spike cohen the vice presidential candidate for president of united their vice president of the united states uh when he is not at the helm you can make that assertion with impunity instead of having the facts come back and blow up in your face um but if you guys are on the Facebook, you guys are following us on Twitter, or you guys are following us on the YouTubes, or you guys are tuning in from DLive, we appreciate you nonetheless. And like I said, we do have a podcast out there, so feel free to tune into that. But from this, from this little glitch in the system, from this little software update, you were able to figure out who it was that was doing all of these postings. Now, Greta Thunberg, who recently was um, the butt end of a joke, Actually, she wasn't even the butt end. She was, she was kind of the head and shoulders of the joke, um, of one of Ricky Gervais's recent jokes uh, during an award ceremony. Um, because Hollywood actors know even less about the world than she does, and uh, but nonetheless, so she has her Facebook page, and because of this update, it was found out that her father, her father, was the one making a lot of these posts. So she immediately had to come out and make sure that, uh, you know, she sets the record straight. And so here was her remark on Saturday. Some people have been asking who manages this page. 
The page is called Greta Thunberg. First of all, since last spring, I only use Facebook to repost what I write on Twitter and Instagram accounts. Since I've chosen not to be on Facebook personally, I tried early on but decided it wasn't for me, I used my father, uh, Cervantes, account to repost content. Because you need an account to moderate a Facebook page. The rest that I shared on Facebook is reposted from Twitter and Instagram by the guy who found it. Pardon me, Greta Thunberg Facebook page as before I knew it existed. So <clears throat> the way that this story goes out, um, of course, when you first hear the headlines, you start laughing. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, this makes sense. You know, she, she, this was never her big thing. She was never this educated. She was never that in touch with understanding the world, understanding the, uh, the complexities of so much of the science that goes on into the climate change, um, that goes into just the, what is going on in our atmosphere and the ozone layer, um, the cycles <clears throat> and, and everything else. Um, she was never, she, she knew a lot of the talking points, but it just didn't seem as if she was, she was all there. And certainly when she was here in America, she got challenged on that. So the idea that somebody else was running this and certainly her father, who has been a long time climate change alarmist, um, this was something that was early on being discussed. So she comes out and she says, no, 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 no. Sure. He's the moderator between him and somebody else in India, which is um, I believe where he's currently working right now um, to really push the, the climate change. Um, he was the one kind of pushing all of this. And, and so he's just taking her content from other, other sources and, and reposting it. Um, it's an interesting theory. I don't know which one way or the other, um, but I, I, I just find that it's absolutely hilarious that this went through. Um I would like to know, I would like uh, to see if they can actually have proof of the other sources, right? The Instagram and, um, what was it? The Instagram and the Twitter accounts to see if she would be willing to vindicate herself or it, or exonerate herself. Um, or if we're just going to sit idly by and wait to see how it goes. Ooh, we got Matt Wright in the stream, guys. Um, got, got another one of the good celebrities from Muddy Waters Media coming in on this. So I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I thought it was very interesting. This was uh, something that I just caught while I was doing some, some good old research for you all. Uh, the next thing I want to get into is, of course, the dropping of guns or the shooting of guns or oh, the grabbing of guns, the killing of guns, whatever kind of guns and, and uh, violent things you want to talk about when it comes to them. Um, because I've been gone for so long and this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart as I wear my Live Rugged shirt, as I wear my M240 Bravo sitting there beautifully. I don't know if you guys can see that. My M240 Bravo on my shirt. I, I, I don't support guns. I'm sorry, Blackwood. Um it's a, it's a topic that is really, uh, really ingrained into who I am. I believe in the right of the people to be able to defend themselves from, from enemies, both foreign and domestic. I made that oath when I joined the military. Um, and, and so this topic has been hit from both sides um, since we have been able to get into this topic. And so I wanted, I wanted to bring it back, of course, and uh, first start off with uh, White Settlement, Texas. Yes, that's right. There's a town in Texas called White Settlement. Um, we're just going to take a pause for a second and just talk about White Settlement, Texas. White Settlement, Texas. All right. Now that we've met... <laughs> White Settlement, Texas. Now that we've gotten through White <laughs> Settlement, Texas, um, we can we can go ahead and talk about the the tragic thing that actually had happened there. Um, from December 30th, 
sorry, December 29th in White Settlement, Texas, a man came in and uh, shot and killed two people during a church service. Um, obviously, it's a tragic event. Um, but but the thing that is so important within these situations um, that you can look at and that you can see that there's a clear change or a clear saving is that when you when when seconds matter, the police are minutes away. But if you have a a a hero with you, if you have a hero such as um, Jack Wilson from Granbury, Texas. Uh, um, if you have a, a hero from Granbury, Texas, who is able to pull out his own little firearm, his own little carry, and um, pop the guy in the head. Pop the guy in the head within two seconds of the first round being shot. Two seconds, right? That's, you know, shoot on your mark, ready, draw, bam, done. Um, this is how you save lives. It's not by giving your guns off to the authorities. Oh, the police will be there. The police will come in and save the day after you have a massacre already occur. Oh, give it. No, no, just the military. The military will save us. Yeah, the military bases get shot up all the time, too. So Jack Wilson comes out and saves the day. Whenever we see instances like this, regardless of what time it was, and certainly this is right between Christmas and, and New Year's where... That time doesn't exist, right? We, we exist during that time, but that time doesn't actually exist. People are like, I don't know what day of the week it is. I don't know what day of the year it is. I know that sometime in the future I'm going to see some giant ball drop. Uh, but for right now, I'm still like, I'm still kind of sore from eating too much on Christmas. I'm still joyous and happy, just kind of drudging around the house a little bit, seeing the kids be frolicking and be happy because they still aren't in school. So during that time is, is certainly where the news is not really big. A lot of people talk about older things. They don't talk about things that are actually happening. But even if this was outside of that time, in an actual time that exists, in, in a time where people know what day of the week it is, right? Today's Monday. You're here listening to Mr. Beard, Mr. Merka, the Beard of Truth. You know it's Monday night. So even if it was a time like that, this would be a story that doesn't get much publicity. This is, this is a story because the guns are what saved people. Yes, it's tragic that two people have lost their lives. But people's lives were saved. Could have been 10 people's lives saved, could have been 5, could have been 20. We don't know. But the point is that lives were saved because somebody utilized their guns. So the gun grabbers, the gun, um, the, those who advocate against the guns, they're not actually able to come out here and, and fight against this. They're not able to use concrete evidence in order to really tear apart the case that guns shouldn't be in the hands of law-abiding citizens. So thank you to Jack Wilson. Um, he was actually uh, re- he was uh, the recipient of the state's highest civilian honor. Um, so he was given that for this shooting and, and, you know, people like Jack Wilson, if you are a churchgoer, if you go and you attend church, you want Jack Wilson to attend your church, right? You want him to take it out. <coughs> Thank you for I missed you as well. Um, so it, it, it's, it is nice to be back, but we can go to the other situations. And we can go and talk about horrific killings that have been happening in other churches where people aren't able to defend themselves. We can go and point out um, how people decide on on where to shoot up. And I'm not talking about the hair wand. I'm talking about 
the actual firearms. Um, I'm talking about people going and shooting up places. If we remember all the way back to 2018, there was a big shooting that happened, and a lot of people were really ramped up about this one. This was the pole shooting. The pole shooter, when he decided on where he was going to go in order to make... um, In order to take people out, the reason why he chose that nightclub out of all the nightclubs that he had went to that night, which, if I remember correctly, was four different nightclubs that he traveled to, that was the fourth one that he went to. And that was the only one that didn't have armed security. So he went to the place where he could cause as much harm as possible in killing more than 20 people. Yeah, he was pretty successful on that. So gun-free zones... Don't make you safe, but Virginia, but Virginia right now is attempting to make their entire safe un or their entire state unsafe. What they're trying to push right now, and what they're they're waiting on, um, is for a full committee vote on bills that were being passed today in their subcommittees, such as red flag laws, such as uh, making. Assault weapons illegal, such as banning the transfer and trade and movement of of magazines with larger than 10-round magazines, which I'm going to pause on that real quick. I believe in standard-sized magazines. Why can't I have a standard-sized magazine? If I go out and buy an AR-15, it comes standard with a 30-round magazine. You're telling me that if I buy a gun, it's going to be illegal for me to come with what comes standard with it? Just absolutely abhorrent and terrible. Um, We'd be much better off just allowing us to have whatever it is that it comes with. And, of course, you could put the uh, uh, SOCOM rounds in a a 30-round 223 magazine, and and you can only fit 10. So you you could pass the law that way. But um, but regardless, right, so there's all these laws, and and the gun confiscation certainly is one that they're going to come out and start enforcing. Those red flag laws, we know that they're going to be utilized, allowing the The government, who has an interest in disarming the people, has an interest in creating as little resistance as possible from them performing their wills and their desires. Um, They're going to justify on the side of quote-unquote safety, which means that it's not safe for the officers who are going to come and take the guns. It's not safe for the individuals who don't want to give up their rights because they were never afforded due process. And for those who have never committed an actual crime, but they're being taken away because somebody else has made an accusation. So what we're going to see is a bloodbath. We're going to see the state and the people collide. Now, this has happened before. This has happened way back when, in in Virginia of all places, in Virginia, they had way back when, before we were even really a nation, there was an attempt for gun confiscation. Mm. Didn't end very well. We will see if if America in 2020 is going to stand up or if we're going to bow down. If we're going to bow down to tyranny, I'll report on it. But I won't be proud of it. There needs to be a standing up. Because if we're going to allow the government to decide on who can carry, what they can carry, what kind, and everything else, then we are going to fail as a society. If we allow government, and, and I'm not going to focus on Democrats or Republicans, I, I, I'm, I'm tired of that partisan trope. There are Republicans who support this. They are not re- Democrats. If they're Democrats in disguise, they still have a Republican next to them, and they still have Republican voters keeping them in office. 
what we have is government officials utilizing their their ability, their laws, their control, their powers that they have ceded to themselves, not granted to them through any through any articles, not granted to them or delegated to them through through the compact of the Constitution, through uh, their state's constitution or anything else. These are just things that that people have willingly created for themselves and said, "I'm empowered to do this if I want to." And so they come out there and they say, well, we're going to ban these. We're going to ban bump stocks. We're going to ban, we're going to try to ban suppressors. We're going to make red flag laws. We're going to, you know, take the guns first and worry about due process later. We're going to, you know, um, people who have PTSD shouldn't have firearms. People who are veteran status shouldn't have firearms. People who have ever been committed a, a, a violent crime should not have firearms. Anyone who's been diagnosed with, with anxiety should not have firearms. Anyone who's ever had depression should not have firearms. Anybody who has, you know, if you've ever been medicated with any psychosis drugs um, in order to be treated, you should never have firearms. And the list goes on and on and on. We're hitting at 60, 70, 80% of the population. So when they just disarm us by doing these laws and people don't stand up and don't don't say, no, you're not doing this. Get off my guns, get off my rights, get off my ability to protect myself, my life, my liberty, my pursuit of happiness, and my families. Then we succumb to the tyranny. This is all Republican and Democrat. This is all Republican and Democrat. I have a state senator right now, not state senator, a senator from my state, a U.S. senator, Lindsey Graham, who is pushing out red flag laws. It violates due process, but don't worry, he's going to tell you it doesn't. We have this happening from Republicans and Democrats, and we we just give up. Now, we do have here in state, the state of South Carolina, one of the quote-unquote reddest states, yet we can't even pass constitutional carry. We do have some really good representatives who've started to create a trend, right? Stuart Jones, one of our House representatives, wrote a letter to, to President Trump and got him to back down off of red flag laws in a major way. But he has pre-filed laws, um, and hopefully these will pass. These will pass through the House and hopefully through the Senate here in South Carolina, which is going to outright ban the the money that would come in for us to enforce red flag laws as well as ban um, or um, not allow anybody within the state's capacity to aid and assist with any national gun control at all. This is these are the great bills that should be coming out. These are the great bills that should be supported is telling the federal government, hey, this is what you're delegated to do and you will do no further. You will do no more. So I do have to applaud Stuart Jones for pre-filing that bill. And I hope that when our legislator come legislators come together starting tomorrow, that we will get this passed this year, get it knocked out and make sure that gun control is not being passed, at least in my state. I can't, I can't help protect you guys. I can only encourage you guys to, to encourage your legislators to do the same. But we have to take back the power. And if we're not going to take back the power, then we just succumb to the tyranny. And, and we have no one to blame but ourselves. I think I've nailed the, um, the whole... <clears throat> I think I've nailed the gun control topic for a little bit longer than what I wanted to. Um, but in the end of the day, it's important, it's imperative that we are able to protect ourselves because what we've seen both domestically and in foreign interventions is that, um, is that our government doesn't care. Our government will kill us, right? Waco, Texas, right? Ruby Ridge, Ruby Ridge, right? Ruby Ridge, the only reason why nobody was killed in that standoff was because everybody was armed. Everybody was equally armed. Hmm. Makes you think.
nonetheless, I digress. So I want to I want to move over to Iran because there's a lot within the Iran topic. There is so much within Iran, and this is this is the thing that really really gets me drive, driven. This is what gets me passionate. It gets me fired up. It's talking about things that we have to dissect and we have to put our emotions to the side and we have to go, what is the best pra- practice moving forward? What is the best policy moving forward? What have we done wrong in the past and how can we make these corrections? And certainly when it comes to uh, the killing of Soleimani, there is a big glaring mistake within that. And uh, Sorry. Um, sorry, my wife was bringing me in water. She's listening. But um, we really have to break into that whole entire thing from the beginning and, and move through it. So we have some recent updates, even since the last time that I discussed this with you guys uh, last week. This was not posted on the website, so I apologize if you guys didn't get tuned into that. Um, but nonetheless, um, so Soleimani was killed by President Trump. Um a little over a week ago now. With that, a lot of things have happened, and a lot of the story has been uncovered. My initial reaction to this was, I'm never going to mourn over Soleimani being killed. I agree that he's the disgusting individual. I agree that he's done a lot of egregious acts in the past, that there's a lot of blood on his hands. I have no issue with calling calling him a terrible, terrible entity. Um, I'm glad that he's dead. Right? I can't even go as far as to say I'm glad that he's dead. The way that we went about it is becoming more and more clear that we were also in the wrong. The order, as it came out, the order came out seven months ago. Seven months ago to be able to strike him. Here's from NBC News. President Donald Trump authorized... Authorized the killing of Iran General Qasem Soleimani seven months ago. If Iran's increased aggressions resulted in the death of American, according to five current and former senior administration officials. Good. So he made this order seven months ago. Now, during that time, did he ever once go to Congress and say, hey, look, we're going to kill Soleimani. Soleimani kills anybody. We're going to go after him. No. So there was no oversight from from Congress. What would authorize the president to do this? In defense of an imminent attack, in accordance with the War Powers Act, but not in retaliation, not unless it's within 48 hours. Now, if you look at the Soleimani attack, it wasn't within the 48 hours, so he didn't clear that window by the War Powers Act either. So President Trump was often a little bit of the limbo land of just hoping that people were going to piece together everything that went on. So he made an order seven months, and during those seven months, never notified people. He didn't obey, uh, follow through on the War Powers Act because he wasn't in defense of an imminent attack. It was in retaliation to an imminent attack, and it was just over 48 hours. But the imminent attack thing is something that President Trump immediately came out and started saying. And since saying that, since the initial bombing of Soleimani, of turning him into pink dust, um, he's come out and he has tried to clear the air by saying, no, there was, there was imminent attacks on the way. There were people that he was going to come and he was going to kill more Americans, right? Drawing out the emotions, right? None of us want to see Americans killed. 
That's why I'm anti-war. That's why I'm against sending more boots on the ground. That's why I'm against the 3,500 people that he sent to, to surround Iran in case of a war breaking out. Right? None of us want to see Americans get killed. But this imminent attack, he's allowed for some members of Congress to go and listen to the intel that he had. And not a single one of them has come out and said, yeah, he was vindicated. Yeah, exonerated. He was, he had an imminent attack. They were like, nah. One of them was saying, you know, this is like a 14-year-old's 14, 14 book report. Very sloppily put together. It wasn't, it wasn't very concrete. A lot, a lot to be left um, for the audience. And so, <clears throat> so we weren't justified on those grounds. But Jason... He was a terrorist. Okay. He was a terrorist. He caused a lot of terror around the world. He was also Iran's four-star general, effectively. Right? He was the head of the Kuds. So he was a high-end military general within the Iranian government. If we were to, somebody was to say, well, General Mattis had promoted terror around the world because let's face it right general mattis a lot of people even in the country were afraid of general mattis because you know he was the guy that was like hey carry a knife with you in case you gotta slit, slit some throats or eat some cheesecake right if that this guy promoted terror everywhere it went because he was so stoic and so uh, you know he was ingrained into the 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 marines principles and values right he was the epitome of what a marine was he was a killing machine. So if he was off in some land and somebody killed him, would we be would would they be justified whoever killed him? Would they be justified in saying, well, he promoted terror? No. No, absolutely not. We'd be like, no, he's a government official. What'd you do? Well, no, we're going to war. We are going to war. And that's exactly what happened here. That's exactly what happened here. Right. So people are saying, well, he was a, he was a terrorist. And so therefore he was justified. Well, he's been for decades a general within the Iranian army. So you have to handle it differently. If it's an, a, a government official, you don't just get to turn him into pink dust unless you have a declaration of war. We haven't declared uh, we don't have a declaration of war since uh, since World War Two. Therefore, not a war with Iran. Not under the capacity of anything that we have right now, is he justified in taking this action? So we don't really have an out to give President Trump the excuse for what he did. Now, of course, people make the accusation all the time. If you don't agree with Trump on this, you hate Americans. I don't hate Americans. I love Americans. You support terrorism. I, I don't support terrorism. I speak out against terrorism. I speak out ter against terrorism, whoever it comes from. But these are these are emotional responses to the problem that we're facing, and the problem that we are truly facing here is that we do we have gone so far away from you know if you're a constitutionalist, the idea that a group of people would be able to control our foreign policy, be able to control the wars. And the way that they go on. Now I agree, right? There's plenty of members of Congress that would not let President Trump take military action. I completely understand that argument. 
that is not a justification to go above and beyond or to go around the Constitution or to go around the laws that have been enacted. There, there just simply isn't anything concrete that's there to make it available for President Trump to do what he did. And so, again, I don't, I, you will never see me shed a tear for this man being killed. And this man being Soleimani, of course, for clarity's sake. Not talking about President Trump. No way, shape, or form do I advocate for him being killed or assassinated in any way. I will never mourn the idea that Soleimani was killed. Terrible person, horrible individual, committed atrocity after atrocity. Absolutely. But this doesn't end the situation. Because Iran has already replaced Soleimani. His number two guy. His number two guy who's been following him around for, I believe it was been about 20 years. His number two guy for about 20 years. Ismail Ghani. So he's come in. He's come in to fill in this position that, that Soleimani suddenly disappeared from. And he's already threatened the U.S. with harsh revenge for killing his previous head. Here's the Nagama. Maga Nazi. I like it. The Maga Nazi. So we have another issue. This Ishmael Ghani, who has been working with closely with Soleimani, is now at the head of the Kuts. So what do we do? Do we go and take him out? How do we get out of this situation that we put ourselves into? And I don't think necessarily just keep bombing them is going to be the right answer. I don't think that another war or another conflict is going to be the answer. We can talk about Trump making um, very... How do I... Trump is not being exactly reckless with what he's doing, but the the opportunity or the ability for this to become um, to become a full blown war it is definitely there. So with every with every attack, with every aggression, with every escalation, there is the opportunity there that we could see a war. Right? War just takes somebody else to take the actions of war one nation did and to go. You know what? That's it. That's 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 finally it. And step up and, and declare war, right? We know that Iran is working with Russia and with China. So if you guys are if you guys are on the left and you fear Russia, or if you're on the right and you fear China, right? You're seeing both of the big voodoo, you know, the big bad juju's willing to side up with Iran, who, who everybody agrees is a terrible entity, to come after America. You've got Merkel, and you've got uh, Macron. That are willing to come in. So maybe, if, you know, we're, we're, we're skating off the ice, right? It's, it's not a fun situation that we're in. So <coughs> there's, a, there's a lot to be concerned with. And I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that if we are just going to do this all on the backs of one individual. I don't care about the record. I don't care who that one individual is to give all of the power of the 350 million Americans put to take their entire destiny and to put it on the backs of one individual. That's a scary thought, right? 
Whether you trust Donald Trump or not, you have to understand that there are more people that don't trust Donald Trump. There are more people that did not vote for Donald Trump than voted for Donald Trump. Even with 2020, when I believe that President Trump is going to win the election, there are more people that are not going to vote in that election for Donald Trump than, than, than will. Right? I'm not saying he's going to lose the popular vote either. I'm just saying there's, there's what, 40% of the population doesn't vote at all that's eligible? Plus the non-eligible voters? There's plenty of people out there that, that don't want to put that on them. And so even if you're an advocate for President Trump, you, have to, you, have, you should take some pause and just think about that. Think about the idea that you yourself are advocating that you know what's best for everybody else and that you pushing this, this acceptance, you pushing this responsibility on one singular individual, that you might have to take credibility. You might have to take credit for if it goes wrong. Maybe it goes right, and you can, you can, you can be boastful about that. But you got to think about the wrong side, right? With great power comes great responsibility. And so uh, think about it, right? Don't, don't, just, don't just go gung-ho for one individual because you like this individual. Don't go gung-ho the other way because you hate this individual. Give us a pause. Give us some thought. and Think about it. Through. Think it through. Um, it, it certainly is a huge, huge issue. Um, <clears throat> let me see here. Let me see what, uh, what else I'm missing from these notes. Here's something else that, that a lot of people didn't like, and, and I'm okay with them not liking it. Donald Trump made four tweets in Persian. He tweeted out in Persian, and kind of a little bit of Twitter went nuts. Um, I viewed this as nothing more than virtue signaling, and here, let me explain why. I'm going to read to you the four tweets in, in, in English, because obviously I can't read Persian. Uh, to the brave and suffering Iranian people, I've stood with you since the beginning of my presidency, and my government will continue to stand with you. We are following your protests closely, closely, and your courage is inspiring. All right, so he supports them. The Iranian government should allow human rights groups to monitor and report on the current reality of protests in the, of the Iranian people. We should not see the peaceful killing of protesters again where the internet shut down. The world is watching. So again, he supports them. National Security Advisor suggested today that sanctions and protests have Iran choked off. will force them to negotiate. Actually, I couldn't care less if they negotiate. will be totally up to them, but no nuclear weapons and don't kill your protesters. We support you. To the leaders of Iran, do not kill your protesters. Thousands have already been killed or imprisoned by you. And the world is watching. More importantly, the USA is watching. Turn your internet back on and let the reporters roam free. Stop the killing of your great Iranian people. Now, these were, as reported, these were the tweets that had the most likes in Persian language. So, getting plenty of support out there from these. But... Within that, was there ever a threat? No. Was there ever a, we're going to send actual physical support to you? No. These are, these are effectively, right, the thoughts and prayers. 
Now, if you're a religious person, I'm not trying to say this and, and, and offend you, aggress against you, or anything else, but the idea that a politician who has the capacity, the, the capability of taking, of, of working with Congress or, or working within some means of being able to, to send support in to, to the Iranian people, right? He's not doing that. So it's just a virtue signal, in my, in my humble opinion. I see an issue with it. Right? I don't want somebody who's who's just gonna go, ah, I support it, right? I don't think that he should be going in and, and actually physically supporting him. But I have to give the criticism when it's due, right? He's kind of got himself stuck in a conundrum now. Because either this is this is virtue signaling or he's breaking one of his other promises. On the campaign, and even shortly after coming into office during some of those early on rallies, he would come out and he would talk about, we need to get out of the Middle East. We need to get out of these conflicts. They have to figure out their own problems. These are not the issues of America. These are the issues of them. And so we have to save our people. We have to get out. We have to pull out. We have to, you know, wash our hands clean. So he can't go in, and he can't stay out, especially now that he's kind of, He's kind of, you know, jabbing it in there a little bit. Now he's kind of bringing the spotlight onto it. Maybe he's hoping other countries get involved. That, that's, I can't, I have no say in those countries, right? I, I don't meddle in foreign elections. I don't get involved with the, the dealings of another nation's government and how they deal with things. I don't, I don't, I don't do that, right? I was in the military once. I don't do that anymore. That's not, that's not my MO. Maybe his. Plenty of the Democrats, plenty of the Republicans, that's their MO. That's what they do. But in the end, I, I, I see this as just empty virtue signaling. I see I see a big issue with that. And and I don't know I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that, but I just I don't see it as a huge benefit to us. I don't see it as a huge benefit to them either. If if this is what really empowered people, they're like Oh, somebody tweeted at us in support of us, and this was this was the most liked tweet in our language. And so now I'm going to go fight out with with 10% more vigor, with with 20% more heart, with 30% more more emphasis behind what I'm doing. Then I don't think that they were fighting for the right reason. They're not protesting for the right reason, right? So there's just not much there. So I think that right now we are in a, a, a terrible situation. There are so many different things conflicting with one another. There's the entanglement is just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And and my concern is, is how do we get out? How do we get out? How do we get our men and women out of not just Iraq, not just Afghanistan, not just um, you know Israel, Egypt, Yemen, uh, everywhere around in the Middle East? How do we get them out? But also, how do we we create the less conf- the least amount of conflict? How do we how do we enable the healing there if we can? Now, certainly, we won't be able to for a lot of reasons. We've tried. We have tried so many times in order to be supportive and to help them out. Um, it's <clears throat> I don't know. We have to. We have to get our troops out. We have to do that. I'm, I'm so tired to see my brothers and sisters, my fellow Americans, going over and fighting these wars where they're not appreciated. They're not welcomed. It, it's just not. It's just not conducive for a civilized society to keep doing that. So we have the quote-unquote, the art of the dealmaker. 
he is the guy that's going to be the best at negotiating. Can you negotiate with these countries? Hey, I'm going to pull out, but you guys have to, you know, do this, that, and the other in order for us to, you know, start transitioning away. If he gets elected, and and I'm expecting that he probably will be in 2020, coming up in a couple months. Um, you know, we've got five months or five years, just under five years. You have five years to get out, and then we'll be gone at the end of those five years. I think that that would be a huge win for Trump on somebody actually following through on pulling out after making those promises. We saw Trump make those promises and we saw Obama make those promises. Um, and, and both of those have currently fallen flat on their faces. So I would like to see that come through. It gives us a way of, of breaking these, the, the neocon talking point that we have to remain. There's never a good time to get out. There's never a good time to get out. So we have to remain until there is a good time to get out. And there never will be a good time to get out. So the neocons just, just support sending your, um, your young ones, your boys and your girls off to war for conflicts that occurred and started before you or before they even existed. So it'd be nice to see Trump to break that. I would love to support Trump on him breaking that trend, getting our, our men and women out, getting our equipment out, being able to, you know, whether whether it goes straight to hell in a handbasket, goes straight to chaos and, and fighting erupts, or if he's able to, to be that dealmaker and actually bring some peace to the area, even if it's for one of the, the multiple countries we're in, that's a huge win. So I, I think that we can... We, regardless on whatever the outcome is, we have to start figuring ways of transitioning out. We have to. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I do not know. Let me um, pull up one more thing. <clears throat> but so outside of that, right? So we have. We have gun grabbing going on. We have potential war going on. We have we have actions being taken uh, to increase war. And here in South Carolina, we uh, I, I do want to go back to that. I do want to go back to that. Here in South Carolina, a lot of people look at our state, and we've been ran by Republicans for decades, decades. House, Senate, governorship. Just decades of it. We can't pass constitutional carry. One one of five states that does not have constitutional carry. It's not constitutional carry. We're one of five states that doesn't have open carry of pistols. Can't do it. You You can open carry a rifle, but you can't do a pistol. Kind of bullshit. We can't pass constitutional carry. The only time you can really open carry a rifle in many city limits is if you have an active fishing license and you're actively either heading to or from the fishing hole that you're going to, right? So we don't, we have all of these weak laws there. We have an increase in taxes. We have um, taxes are continuing to grow. We have civil asset forfeiture where the state's allowed to steal our property, and we're hopefully going to get that law revoked. We have certificate of need where healthcare is is expensive because to be to join into the market and provide healthcare, you have to actually go and petition the government and anyone who is in that same region 
is able to also challenge you from getting a certificate of need. So we're, we're stifling the market when it comes to healthcare. We have all these regulations and controls on, on permits and, and permissions and everything else. And so I think that South Carolina is one of the perfect states for us to point at and say, it's not a matter of being Republican or Democrat, of being pro-freedom, pro-liberty, or anti-liberty or anti-freedom. It's a matter of having bad people in office. I think that South Carolina is the exact state that people should use as the example that whether you're blue or, or red, whether you're Democrat or Republican, whether you're, you know, regardless on what your personal views of these parties are, that it doesn't matter because these members of Congress that are in don't care. They're willing to be bought out because they have, they have the power to be sold. It has to be resolved. Our founders created a government to be limited. And whether it be one thing or another, this much is clear. But whether the Constitution, let me start this quote over. But whether the Constitution really be one thing or another, this much is certain that it is either authorized such a government as we have had or has been powerless to prevent it. In either case, it is unfit to exist. The idea that we are supposed to have a limited government that is not supposed to infringe upon our Second Amendment, that is not supposed to be able to come out and, and take from the fruits of labor of one and provide to another, the, that you know we have the general welfare, not the public or the private welfare, that we're not supposed to be subsidizing you know, all of these different markets within our own nation as well as providing for for you know, all these markets outside and these nations outside. There are so many different things that are going on that we should not be held accountable for. That our things, our, our money, our income, our taxes should not be being provided to. But these constitution, the constitution has never been adhered to. And so there's, there's a, a huge fundamental issue there. And so we the people, we the people, if you believe in this governance, if you believe in the constitutional republic in which we are supposed to be, then we have to find ways in order to not only get our laws passed, not the Congress people's laws, but our laws passed, but then also take back the control. Point to the Tenth Amendment once in a while and say, that's not a state power. That's my power. That's my right. That's my authority. And you don't have it. We need to restore that as we the people. And uh, and with that, guys, I'm going to hop off for the night. I hope you guys all have a wonderful week. We got Spike and Matt coming up tomorrow night, Money Waters Media. You got uh, Spike on Wednesday with my fellow Americans, and then Thursday finishing off the week with the writer's block. You got Matt Wright. Um, it's going to be a fantastic week. I'm, I, I'm glad to be able, coming back and starting it up with you all. Um, and I'm excited for the future weeks that, that are going to come about. So with that, I hope you all have a wonderful week. A fantastic time with it, and I'll see you guys next Monday night. I am Mr. Murka, the Bearded Truth, Jason Line. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, or a wonderful week, and enjoy your weekend. See you guys soon.